0: Welcome to the Live Big Podcast featuring Dr. Derek Greer, where we teach principles from God's Word that will empower you to live big. For more information, visit DerekGreer.com. Here's Dr. Greer. Well, today we're going to be in Luke chapter 5, uh, beginning with the, the first verse. And uh, as known, we're going to go line by line. Now, it happened on a certain day as he was teaching Jesus was in his second year of of, of ministry, and he was becoming more and more powerful, but also more and more controversial. The Bible says, and there were some Pharisees. Now, the Pharisees, as most of us know, was the most influential of the three major sects in Judaism. But not only were there Pharisees there, there were teachers of the law that were sitting by. So delegations of the most learned and most powerful uh, people uh, in all Israel were there exclusively to check Jesus out. Now, here you have this 30-plus-year-old uh, man, and, uh, you know, he's this young upstart. He's from the country. He didn't go through the school system that, that you're supposed to go through. And uh, uh, they were there basically just to check him out. But, but also, you know, it was also this, this meeting was, was about... Uh, them remaining top dog. Jesus was, uh, uh, lots of folks were, were, were whispering his name and, and some were too scared to say it out loud, but, but everybody was talking about him and he was something of a rock star, if you will. And, and this whole meeting was about one-upmanship and this was the mentality uh, of these men that were standing uh, in the room. But let me tell you something, the only person you should ever try to compete with is the person you were yesterday. That's the only person you should ever compete with. Well, these teachers of the law, they came, they were sitting down and then they came out of every town of Galilee and Judea. That's the countryside and Jerusalem. So we see that Jesus' ministry or his influence is is, is broadening uh, not only the country, but uh, his fame reached the big city, which is Jerusalem. And despite all the skeptics and the cynicism and the testosterone, the naysayers and all that was in the room. Watch what Luke says here. He says, and the power of the Lord was present. You see, if, if God is for you, it really doesn't matter who's against you. Now, I, I find in my life, the greater the adversity, the greater the anointing. So when God says yes, even your enemies can't say no. So despite what was in the room, Jesus was getting it done. The Bible says, and the power of the Lord was not intimidated, wasn't set back, but it was present to heal them. Now, all Jesus ever wanted to do was heal and put people back together, including these religious leaders, but they wouldn't let them. And this, this was the challenge. You see, our obstacles in, in life are never so much another person, but the person on the inside of us. You want to see your greatest enemy or adversary, look in the mirror, and you will see your greatest opposition. Verse 18 it says, then behold, men, Mark tells us they were, were, were four men. So, you know, East gospel gives us more details who brought on a bed, a man who has been or was paralyzed. Now, we don't know from this narrative because he just kind of comes out of nowhere. We don't know if he was born this way or, or made uh, this way, but it really doesn't matter. And the bottom line was this man was stuck but thank God he had people in his life that cared enough for him to get him to Jesus, amen? Amen. And we, we all have moments in life where, where you know what, we, 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 we won't be able to get by without a little help from some friends. And sometimes you're the friend, sometimes it's a friend that's needed. Bible says they, they sought to bring him in and lay him before Jesus. And this is important. Just because your motives are right doesn't mean you're not going to face problems. How I many know that's true. Some God, sometimes God even allows obstacles to see if you want it badly enough. If you're not willing to put a little skin in the game, then you just don't want it. And God is wise. And some of the, the greatest thing he has for us is on the other side of a little bit of opposition. When they could not find how they might bring their friend in. Bible doesn't say this, but these guys probably tried just about everything. They pushed, they probably shoved a little bit and they tried to squeeze. They might even yelled. And I'm sure they took a few moments to even pray. The Bible says, but because the what crowd. You see, if you're ever going to accomplish anything, you have to learn to get past the nose. That's important. I just said something. My greatest person, look, I don't know about you, but my greatest breakthroughs come after I've been rejected and come after I've been blocked. But what's interesting about me, perhaps your life's different, but but I, I bet it's probably very, very similar. My miracle almost always begins with an idea God places in my mind or an attitude he puts in my heart. You know, just like in in birth, pay attention here, God tends to deliver us head first. I don't know if you caught that. In order for the baby to move out of the womb and to step into the world, it begins with the head. Do you hear what I'm saying? And in order for you to step into that next level, do you hear what I'm saying? In order for you to, to become what God has for you next, it often begins right, right here. So, they got this problem, a whole bunch of people, one Jesus. So, I believe the Holy Spirit popped something in their head. The Bible says they went up on the housetop. Now, we should have behind me well, in just a moment uh, what uh, a common first century Jewish home looked like and uh, you notice there were steps on the roof and actually in the book of Acts the Bible says that Peter was on the roof praying uh, around uh, noontime. and uh, 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 often they put little tents up there to keep the Sun out you get some fresh air and the homes were pretty small so so that's often where, where people would go but because of the crowd everyone wanted to hear Jesus and see Jesus um, so everyone was looking through the window listening outside the door but They noticed, hey, it's too crowded to get through the door. But then they noticed no one was on the roof. You see, the closer you get to greatness, the less traffic you're going to find on your side of the road. The Bible says, and they let him down with his bed. Now, the other gospels let us know that there were strings attached or bed sheets or what have you. But it was an incredible feat of engineering, if you will. They, they, the, the man couldn't move, but they, they, they came up with a way to get him into the room. But what I want you to notice here is they brought the man just as he was. That's important. You'll spare yourself a whole lot of frustration and disappointment if you stop trying to fix things that you can't. That's, that's important. If God expected us to be able to fix everything and do everything, why would we need him for help? Last I checked, my God specializes in repairing the broken, restoring the hopeless, fighting for the helpless. You hear what I'm saying? Healing the wounded. Let him do what he does best. And they let him down with his bed through the tiling. Now, most scholars say that uh, this miracle happened in Peter's house. However, there's, there's a small contingent of scholars That say Jesus owned this particular house and that the only reason they tore up the roof is because they trusted the mercy of the one who owned the home. Pay attention to what I'm about to tell you. Another reason they say that is because of what Mark says in two and one. And we're not going to argue the point. I'm just exposing yourself, you you guys to, to some different positions. And again, he entered Capernaum after some days. And it was heard that he was in the what? House. The is the, definite, or is the definite article, implying that the thing mentioned was widely known, and in this case, widely celebrated. I want you to take a look at the language of some of our more modern translations, the New American Standard Version, the NIV, and, and the NIV. Watch what it reads. It says, it was reported he was home. So. Jesus was a carpenter by trade, and I don't know if this was absolutely true. I, I, I wouldn't bet my life on it, but it is possible that Jesus built his own home. After all, he's born in Nazareth, and, and he's living, or he's, he lived in Nazareth. He's now in Capernaum, Luke 5 and 19. Let's get back. And they let him down with his bed, pay attention, through the tiling, What's interesting is that ceiling tiles were only found in the homes of the wealthy. So it appears that either Peter or Jesus had a little swank and a little swag in their home. But here's the point. Don't let what you have or what you don't have define you. If God would carve out Antelope Canyon in Arizona for us, if God would create the White Mountains in New Hampshire for us, if God would create Crater Lake in Oregon for us, if God would create and, 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 and make beautiful Grand Spring in Wyoming for us, if God would create Antelope Valley in California for who? Us. If God would create Niagara Falls in New York for us, if God would create the Grand Canyon for who? For us. If he create the Tulip Fields in, in the state of Washington for us, can Jesus at least get a little tiling on his ceiling? Just a little bit. After all, he came from heaven down. I like Psalms 5010 because God gets just a little bit of attitude. And I love it when God gets attitude. Verse 10, he says, he says, for every beast of the forest is mine. And the cattle on a thousand hills, mine. I know all the birds. I know their names, everything on the mountains, mine. And the wild beasts of the field are mine. Mine, and then, then, he, then he really starts moving his neck. He said, if I were hungry, I wouldn't even tell you, for the world is mine and all its fullness, hallelujah. So, stop putting God in a box. He's not threatened by you having a, a few nice things and a couple coins in your pocket. Why? Because being rich is not about what you do have or don't have in the bank. It's about what you got in your heart. Amen. Amen. Thank you. I got one person to say hallelujah on that side of the room. God bless you. <laughs> Luke 5 and 19. And he let him down with his bed through the tiling in the ceiling. So they dug through the mud and, and whatever was in the, of, of, there might have been some rocks and a little brick in there as well. But. They dug through and began even impact the tiling in the ceiling to bring this man in the midst before Jesus. What I want you to see is that these four men were willing to tear something up to get this man to Jesus. And God is willing. Matter of fact, he's, he, 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 he honors our willingness to tear stuff up, impediments and obstacles that would keep anybody and people from getting to Jesus. You would think that God would have frowned on that, but God's like, what's a house compared to a soul? We would have been all concerned about you messing up my house. And God was like, I need to heal the broken. And there was no thing, nobody, stuff that was going to get in the way of this man's miracle. Verse 20 says, when he saw their what? Faith. Their faith, not just their words. You know, our eagerness to bring people to Jesus is simply our faith in action. How many of y'all know that's right? He said to him, he said, man, your sins are forgiven. You see, everyone saw this man's paralysis, but Jesus saw the real need. But what I also need you to notice is that whatever this particular man's sin was, and we don't know precisely what it was or had been. It did not stop Jesus from showing kindness. We can disagree and we can disapprove without being nasty. Can I get an amen in this room? And the scribes and the Pharisees, these are learned men. These are thinkers, heads of the nation. They began to reason, saying, well, who, who, who is this guy? This is this, this Jesus here who speaks blasphemies. So eyes are rolling at this point. So <laughs> Veins are bulging. Right, could anyone say tension? Just saw your name, say tension, tension. There was a little, just a little bit of tension in the room. Despite the fact the Pharisees tended to be wrong just about with just about everything when it came to Jesus, in this case they happen to be asking a good question. And then they 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 they, uh uh their reasoning is is followed up. Who can forgive sins but God alone? Now I want you to imagine me, Pookie, Ray Ray, (laughs) and Peanut are hanging out one night. And the evening goes on, and I I don't know what happened. Someone did something, but Pookie hit Ray Ray in the jaw. And then Peanut turns to Pookie and says, I forgive you for punching Ray Ray in the mouth. What do you think Ray Ray's going to say? Peanut, you can't forgive Pookie, right? Are y'all following the story? He didn't punch you, he wronged me, right? You can only forgive sins that are against you. Stay with me, stay with me. When Jesus told the paralytic that his sins were forgiven, in essence, he was saying, your sins are against me. You see, the scribes are right. Only God can forgive sins. So if Jesus is and was claiming to do this, he was claiming to be God. Here's what I know. If God doesn't forgive sinners, heaven's going to be empty. Thank God Jesus forgives even when we can't forgive ourselves. Verse 22, I'm making record time this morning. We're already on third base. But when Jesus perceived their thoughts, he answered and said to them, why are you reasoning in your hearts? Now, he couldn't hear their words. They were off in the distance sitting there with their arms folded and and all the rest. But Jesus heard their hearts, and God kind of, you know, knows how to do that. And Jesus said, which is easier? By the way, nothing worth doing is easy. If it were easy, everybody would do it. So which is easier to say? Your sins are forgiven you or to say rise up and what? Walk. Walk. Jesus did not only say or imply that he was God. He did things that only God could do. That's important. If you can't walk the walk, don't talk the talk. But in verse 24, I really like that because I want you to watch Jesus knuckle up in this verse. Watch, watch Watch him do it. He said, but that you scoffers and folks, you know, rolling your eyes up, but that you may know that the son of man has power on earth to forgive sins. He said to the man who was paralyzed, I say to you, arise, take up your bed and go to your house. You see, the proof of Jesus' identity was not how good he looked. The the, the proof of his identity was not how smoothly he talked. It wasn't about how well he was liked. The proof of of his identity was how much he helped. Do you understand what I'm saying? And we often say around here, God's not trying to get anything from you, but trying to get something what? To you. you. So if you can break it, God can fix it. How many of you know that's true? If you can ask it, he can give it. If you believe it, you can receive it. If you can bring it, he'll take it. If you can use it, God can supply it. So in a couple minutes, if you want it, I want you to come and get it. Just in a couple minutes. Come and get what God has for you. Immediately, he rose up before them, took up what he had been lying on, and did just what Jesus told him to do. He went back to his own people and departed to his own house, but something was a little bit different. He was glorifying God. He came to Jesus sick. He came to Jesus paralyzed. He came to Jesus stuck, but he left walking with a new walk, a new whistle, a new song. By the way, that's all God wants to do. For some reason, we got the devil and God mixed up. We put horns on God where God's just trying to mess up our life. And if I let him in, you know, he's just going to turn me into this messed up person. And and the devil's the one that has all the fun. The last I checked, it's pretty miserable in hell. I know we're talking about, you know, I want to go to hell to to be with all my friends because they're going to be partying down there. The Bible said there's weeping and gnashing of teeth. That ain't nobody's party. That is not a party. That's not a party I want to go to. But, but my Bible reads that in heaven, they sing a song. Now, in fact, they, they sing a loud song. And they're excited and they're jubilant. And you got stuff up there. We don't even know what it is. The face look like a bull and the other face look like a man. I don't know what that is. Man, they got some stuff up there. It's exciting. And that's where I, want to, I got off the subject here. I apologize. In verse 26 it says in And they were all amazed. And here's what I believe is God's word to us. God's a little bit through with average. He's a little bit through with mediocre. He's just a little bit done with the same old, same old. God wants to do something in your life that's going to cause people's mouths to drop. It's way too much ordinary going on in our everyday living. The Bible says when when this man got into the presence of Jesus, folks were amazed. People that knew him, that knew his lameness, his stuckness, and and knew the type of man he was and, and his background and his past were absolutely amazed.